All right. Fear is a problem and you're not the first one or the only one that suffers from fear. You're not the first one or the only one that suffers from fear. And most of us think that we, very, very often we think that we don't have fear in our lives. But everybody, somewhere along the line, suffers the consequences of unchecked fears. Fears that make us not choose the right path. Fears that says to us to not take up an opportunity. Fears that says to us, reduce the risk. And we want to try and manage risk as much as we can to the extent that we sometimes negotiate ourselves out of the plan of God. It is fear that, that dis, disables us from moving in the direction that God is calling us so often. Fear is not something that starts when you're 20 or 23 years old. Fear started as early as Genesis chapter number three. The first thing that we see as a result of sin is fear. When, when Adam sinned against God by eating of the fruit of the tree that God said to him not to eat, the first thing he does is he goes into hiding. God comes into the garden, calls out, Adam, where are you? And, Adam's, and, and he says, Adam, where are you? And he says, I hid myself. And he asks him in chapter number three, he says to him in verses nine, then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Sin, sin immediately led to fear. That was the first response of the fallen world. Adam was the first to experience the first result of the fallen world. He realized that he was naked and the first thing he did that he did is he hid himself from God because he was afraid. I wonder how many times we hide ourselves from what God wants to do in our lives. I wonder how many times we hide ourselves uh, what did the guy with the, the one talent do that the, the king gave him to spend? He hit the talent. Why did he hit the, hide the talent? His response said, I know you to be a fearful man. I don't know if he used the word fearful. I, a heavy man. I don't think he used the word heavy. A what man? Demanding. No, that's also not the word. Harsh man. I know you to be a harsh man and you reap where you did not sow. And so what I did is I hid the talent. He was afraid of what the guy would do to him and he hid the talent. I wonder how many times do we, because of what we are afraid of, hide what God put in our hands. Fear is not a response that we have just in 2023. Fear is a response that Moses had when God said to Moses, Moses, I need you to go to, to Egypt and lead my people out. And he said, I can't. I can't speak. He didn't want to go because he felt inadequate. And I think to, to a large degree, he felt that he couldn't do it. I wonder what was he afraid of, of going? Afraid of failure? Fear is something that causes us to miss out on what God has for us. We have in our country, I spoke about it two weeks ago, only $22,000 millionaires in South Africa. That's got nothing to do with church. This is just being aware of what's happening in the world that we live in. We have $22,000 millionaires. In the previous, previous years, when the report came out, there was 500 recorded dollar millionaires that moved out of South Africa to other countries. That in other words, bought a visa or residency in countries like Portugal uh, or Portugal, 
bought a residency in Mauritius or Seychelles so that they can get the passport. And they moved out of the country. Uh, many of them immigrated to, to New Zealand or Australia. Some to the Netherlands. That's why we have you groups there. They're not millionaires, I think. But, a lot, but, but 500 moved out. There was a, a drop of about 1,000 people that fell out of that category didn't move. But 500 people moved. I don't see a count of people moving into South Africa that are dollar millionaires. People are moving out of our nation because of fear. Why would somebody that is wealthy and made wealth and built wealth in our country so quickly move out of the country? And I don't know if it would be acknowledged, but most of them, I think the reason for it or the consideration to move, in other words, leaving family behind, careers and roots, is because of fear of where this country is going. Some people make the statement that it is written against the wall that this country is at a very fast pace moving towards destruction. And people make a response and take a response. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you do what you do. But people are making a choice based on what their observation of where things are going. The very first guy that did this was Adam that said, I hit myself. Now in Timothy, God reminds us in 2 Timothy 1 verses 7 to 8, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. To have that response is contrary to God's word. If you leave this country because of fear, you're not leaving because you are led. And the moment you make choices based on emotions, you are not being led by God. He says, know me in all your ways. And when you talk to God and you tell him, God, I'm doing this because I'm fearful, what do you think God's response to you would be? Now, in most of your life as a young person, uh, that we have tons of young people, you, you, you go to school, it's easy. Everything is paid for you. My children want a chocolate, I give them a chocolate. They need shoes, we buy them shoes. And they get used to a certain lifestyle. And after school, they have to learn how to to defend for themselves. And when this begins to happen, you, you apply for your first career, you go for an interview, and all of a sudden it's not your dad doing the interview, it's a stranger. And that stranger needs, you need to get a job, and the stranger goes like, you're not qualified enough. Or you don't get, and for months you go through, to, through interviews and you, you can't land something, you try and start a business, you start, you sell curry and rice, and nobody wants your curry. And you begin to fail and you, you begin to struggle. Your parents are not paying for everything anymore. And you begin to realize that life is tough. And it elicits a feeling of anxiety and, and despair and, and to a large degree fear. And you begin to take a step back. And I think this is where adults begin to settle. And they begin to get used to not winning. And they get to a place where they settle down and say, this is the level at which I want to function. And when you talk to God and tell him, this is why I did this is because I'm not succeeding. And I'm struggling, and when I do this, I can't risk this. The reason most people don't sow a seed is because they don't want to risk what they have. Yet they say, I trust God. Fear has a very, very real impact in all of our lives. But God tells Timothy, I did not give you a spirit of fear. Out of every reason that you have to do anything, fear should not be in the, in the mix. Fear should not be a variable in your decision-making process. And for most of us, God is not in the variables, fear is. Because if, if we were to ask God, God would never tell you, yeah, you're right, that giant's quite big. I heard a sermon about 
the, the, the grasshopper mentality. You know why they didn't go into the, 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 the land, the promised land? Because the promised land had giants. They did not go in there because there was giants. They didn't go in because they saw themselves as grasshoppers. It's not the giants that kept them out. It's the grasshopper in their head that kept them out. It's the grasshopper mentality that told them you can't go in there. They will kill you. If they had the right mentality, they would have been a lot smaller. To, to the whole army of the, of the Israelites, the giant was big, except to David. In all of their eyes, the giant was big, except to David. David didn't see the giant the same way the rest of them saw the giant. David saw the giant in the, in, in the, in, in the way of seeing the giant, he also saw God. And the giant put juxtaposition to God. The giant was a lot smaller than God. And he realized that he is not looking at the giant, he's looking at God. And most of the Israelites never saw God, they only saw the giant. And many of us cannot lay a hold of what God has for us because we don't see God, we see the problem. Our eyes are fixed on the problem. But I want to I let you know that you're not the first or the only person that feared. Because you have Elijah. I want to take you to the story of Elijah very quickly. Where is the story? It's in here somewhere. First Kings 19. And Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. Now Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah is the prophet in the Bible who did not die. Out of all the prophets, I think Samuel was cool. Samuel didn't say anything that never came to pass. Samuel was, Samuel was, man, if it wasn't raining and Samuel says it's raining, it would begin to rain. But out of, Samuel still didn't go up in a fiery chariot into heaven and did not die. This was Elijah. And even Elijah, at the voice of a woman in his life that says, I'm going to kill you. Elijah just went on a mountain. He just saw God pour out fire from heaven and lick up the water and the altar and the sacrifice all at once. He saw that. Turns around and hears a woman tell him, I'm going to kill you and becomes afraid. So it's not just that miracles will save you from fear. You have to have an understanding of how you have to learn how to identify this thing in your life. It says here, Elijah in verse three, was afraid and he ran for his life. So you have an Elijah and he hears it and he turns around and runs for his life. This is a prophet of God that is subject to fear in his life at one point. If he is subject to fear, how do you think you're going to escape the roots, uh, the, the grasp of fear in your life? You don't, you don't just ignore it, but you have to ask yourself, what is the consequences of it? How is the fear limiting you from reaching what God has put in you? What are the possible things that could have gone wrong in building this building? If we allowed community and their opinions about building a building like this to, to reign free, we would not have this building here today. How many things are limiting you as an individual and the church of Jesus Christ from speaking out? I wonder why churches are quiet. What happened, uh, and, and don't think that you're escaping it, 2020 and 2021, most of us stayed for two years in our houses. Why? Faith? Now at the same time, it's not, I'm not saying to you that something that is dangerous 
knowing that something is dangerous is not the same as having fear for something. That our response during COVID was not a response of something is dangerous because some people are still wearing masks. Fear is problematic because it robs us of a future. There are people that don't want to get married because they're, they're afraid if they do, it might be the wrong one. They'll rather date for seven months, uh, seven years. I think date longer than seven months. They'll rather date for seven years but never get married because they're afraid if they get married, it's going to destroy the relationship. Do you think that's faith or fear? How many of you know somebody that's always got a new idea but hasn't started any one of them ever yet? What do you think it is? Faith or fear? It is fear. I heard another guy say, say it this way. He says, fear is you think that the devil will be there. Faith is you knowing that God will be there. And we either choose one of the two. We, are, we have people that are so, so devil focused. I hate preaching about demons because they're a defeated foe. But you have preachers who build ministries around the demons that they cast out and not around the God that they serve. And it's good, let them do what they want to do. But I would rather celebrate God because He is the one that gives the victory. He is the one that overpowers everything. And I recognize that the same God who does that doesn't, doesn't always take you out of the fire. Sometimes He saves you from the fire. Sometimes He saves you in the fire. For some people, he never puts you in the lion's den. And that's the testimony. He caused me to miss the lion's den. Some of us, he allows to go into the lion's den and then he shuts the mouths of lions. But he is still the God that I expect to be there when the storms show up in my life. There are some of us that are so much more confident in the fact that the devil will show up than we are of the fact that Jesus will show up too. Jesus says, if you make your hell, David says this, if I make my hell in bed, he is there also. But we have Christians who are so much more assured that the devil is waiting for them, not expecting God to be at the same place. This is fear manifesting in our lives and fear will destroy your life. The same thing happened to Elijah. He said he was afraid. He ran for his life. He even prayed that he may die. He ran and he ran so far that he got to a secluded eyes. He left his servant and he came to a cave and he stood in the cave and even God said him, what are you doing here? Fear, if you live your life being afraid of everything, it will take you off course that God has set before you. And God would need to stop you sometime in your life and say, what are you doing here? And it'd be a sad day when you respond, it's not faith that got me here, it's fear. How many of us are stuck in our brokenness, in our nothingness because of fear we had? Somebody says, when there is something that you fear, run towards it, because that's where you learn to deal with it. It doesn't mean when David walked up to the giant, he wasn't afraid, uh, wasn't aware that the giant had a spear in his hand. It just means that he was more aware of God's able to, ability to save him. We have not been given a spirit of fear because you cannot respond when you are fearful. The fight is lost when you're afraid. Gideon, hey Gideon, you mighty valiant warrior you, who me? I'm the least in my tribe. And the same who was the least, when he became aware of who was supporting him, could win a war with 300 people. We're not in a war of flesh. The Bible says our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the air. And those principalities are using people and things and statements 
to make you so afraid that you never inquire of him what he says of them, these powers and principalities. Are we allowed terror to reign in our nations because the church is too fragmented to pray by faith and say we take a stand that this nation yet belongs to God. I'm reminded of the story of Abraham praying and say if there is 50 in that city who are found to be righteous, would you save it? And he went all the way down to one. I'm telling you, we are not righteous by our own means. We are not righteous by our own works. We are not righteous because you are righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are made right in the blood of Jesus Christ. There are far more than 50 in this nation that says Jesus is Lord. And I believe that God would relent from destroying this nation if the church would rise up and pray and say, God, here we are. But if we all pack up and run, what do you think is left over for the nation? And especially what is left over for those who can't run with you. But we've been kept here for a mission to say that God, there are a people that can pray and say, God, we don't have guns and we don't need them. We don't have swords or rocks or stones and we won't throw them. But we have prayer and we have a God that is able to use whatever he wants to use. But this nation will still remain standing. Amen. Are there people that believe that God can still do something in this nation? Hallelujah. Now, right after Elijah comes out of that cave, God says, what are you doing here? Go back. Elijah gets a word from God. God says to him, Elijah, I'm not done with you. Go anoint Jehu, I think, and anoint Elisha and anoint and he, he gives him a list of things that he needs to do. In other words, Elijah gets a word from God. How do you fight fear? Have a word from God. Have a word from God. If you don't have a personal prophecy from God, at least you have a word. And the one story, Jesus is feeding the 5,000. It's the, the story of the talents. I think it's in Matthew. The story of the talents. It's a, this one is recorded in Matthew. He feeds the 5,000. And he says immediately he makes the disciples get in the boat to cross to the other side. And they cross to the other side and he disperses the greets the people says goodbye takes them away he climbs on a mountain and now he is looking at the disciples is watching them in these waves and he is is is, is saying to them go on. and the waves are beating against this boat they just saw jesus uh break the bread and give out the bread to the people and jesus sees them on this on this this uh, these waves and they're afraid when when he when he when they see jesus climbing to the boat i wanted to say something about that i forgot what i wanted to say but jesus was sleeping this, this is in matthew 8 jesus i'll read this one first then they got into the boat and the disciples followed him suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat but jesus was sleeping and the disciples went and woke him saying lord save us we're going to drown. This is the other story. This one is in Matthew. And he replied, oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Jesus is in their boat, but he is sleeping. And they are paying much more attention of what's happening outside the boat than who is sleeping inside their boat. We are so aware of what's happening outside the church that we're not paying attention about Jesus, the Christ who we have at rest in us. We are in the rest of Christ. The Sabbath means rest. Sabbath means rest. He worked six days and rested on the seventh. It was the Sabbath day. Sabbath day means rest. 
Jesus says, and we will not work anymore. We're not working for our salvation. We're in rest. Jesus Christ is our rest. We are supposed to rest in God, but most of us are wrestling with life, not resting. We are wrestling with our issues and struggles and sins while we should be in a rest position, knowing that he has got this. And while the waves was beating against this boat, um, they went to Jesus and said, can't you see that we're busy drowning? And Jesus says to them, oh, you of little faith, when you respond in fear, not in faith, it is a sign that your faith is not at the level it should be. Maybe God is trying to get you to raise your level of faith. Maybe God is asking you to increase the faith that you have so that you can respond by faith and not fear. What in your life are you stepping away from because you see too many waves? For many people, this is not the season to start a business. If you're waiting for the right season, you'll never start. For many people, this is, it was most certainly not the right season to start a building project out of COVID. And for many churches, they didn't because it wasn't the right season. Thank God we, were, we heard from him before we looked for signs. Amen. I completely want to forgot because there's two versions of that story. The one where he breaks the bread and immediately goes on the other side. He tells them, immediately tells them to get into the boat and to cross to the other side. Yes, that's what I wanted to say. That, that one is then in Mark. If there's two of them. The one that I just read to you, the other one. If he tells them, go to the other side, I will meet you there. What is that? It's a prophecy. And when they got in the boat and they saw Jesus walking on the water, they're afraid. They forgot that he just told them, I'll meet you on the other side. If you have a word of God that says, this is what I'm going to do. Whatever happens in the middle means it's not a problem. Most of us don't realize that God gave us a word to hold on to. When Rico was born, he was born, his lungs didn't work like they were supposed to work. He couldn't breathe properly. He was on a lung machine for five weeks and the doctors couldn't figure out why he's on a lung machine. They can't get him off this lung machine. And on the fifth week, they ordered for me this blue machine. The insurance had already approved it. They brought this blue machine with a 30-meter cord to the hospital. And I was supposed to check out on the Tuesday from the hospital with this blue machine and a long cord so that we can carry the baby around in the house. But he has to be attached to a lung machine. But about a year or two before that, I was in a church in Umschlanga. And there was a pastor that came to us and said to us, you will have children. And I see a son running around your house. You can't run with a 30 meter oxygen cord around your nose. We had a word with which we could trust God for a miracle in his life. And on the sixth, fifth week, that Monday, we fasted and prayed. And that Monday morning, I walked in... We had the whole church pray with us. A lot of people prayed with us. And I walked into that, church, that hospital building that Monday. I remember it distinctly. I walked in there with a look in my eye and a, dis, a distinct faith in my spirit. I walked in there with a, with, a, with a knowing. And the way I walked in, I remember walking through those front doors focused. And I remember feeling like there were angels. I, I don't talk to angels and I don't believe you should or could. I'm very concerned for those that believe they can command angels. It's just, they're not your angels. They're, they have guard over you, 
but and they serve you at God's command. I serve you as a pastor, but at God's command, not at your command. So in other words, your problems doesn't determine my schedule. I'm scheduled by heaven. And God's leading. Now, how do we expect angels to be different? How do you think you speak to angels? There's no, I don't know where there's biblical precedent for that. Where you command angels, but good luck. Do that. But I, I am aware that God does send angels and he uses angels. Angels means messengers. And those who do the work of God for the saints and in through the saints and they are at operation all around us and they can join us in worship and all of that. I understand that. But I believe that when I walked into that hospital, there was, a, there was angels walking behind me. And we walked and I walked straight up to that oxygen chamber in which he was laying down with all these pipes on him. And I remember praying and I said, Jesus today, in Jesus' name, you bring healing. And I said that every other day, but that day was different. And that same day, they began to turn the oxygen down. They kept on turning it down until it was zero. And he breathed. And took the pipes out and he breathed. And all of a sudden, he was just completely healed. And they said, let's give it a day. And the next day, it was completely, went through the night, no problem. <laughs> completely healed. I don't know how it happened. But I remember having an argument and a fight with the insurance company because they had already booked the machine and I said, I haven't used it. They said, you're going to pay for it. Through the, I think it was insurance. I don't know how that was supposed to work. There was a deposit or something. I said, I refuse to play. I didn't use it. Take it back. Not my mistake. I had a fight with them about the oxygen machine because we never attached that thing to him by the grace of God. He says to them, I will meet you on the other side. And yet on their journey to the other side, they look at the waves and not at God. The same one where, where the one that I read in Matthew just now. They saw Jesus and Jesus walking on the water. Matthew, uh, Peter says to him, if it's you, call me to walk on the water. And Peter begins to walk on this water and he sees, what does he see? The waves. And the waves speaks to his flesh while Jesus speaks to our spirit. Who's in charge? Your spirit or your flesh? Paul is in prison. Paul is in prison for what he believes. Most of us don't even want to lose a friend. Paul is in prison for what he believes and we are too scared to offend someone for our faith. We would rather mellow down our faith as to not be offensive. Paul was in prison for his faith. But while sitting in prison for his faith, he began to sing songs. You don't, try and sing when, you're a, when a dog is chasing you. Get a Rottweiler to chase you. And while chasing you, I want you to sing, How Great Is Thou God? And see how that works out for you. Paul is in prison. He has to realize something about Jesus while in prison. The Bible tells you that you, he will make a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He never promises you that he won't have enemies. He says, the world hated me and you come from me. How do you think they won't hate you? We're in a world that don't accept you as theirs because you are not theirs. You're his. And he is a God that holds it all together. He is not out of moves. He is not done with this nation. And he says to Elijah, Elijah says to him, I am the last one. He says to him, you're not the last one. Oh, that's a belief. I think he says, also, oh. Oh, lost it again. you're not the last one. There are many more like you. There are many more Elijahs out there. Prophets that has not bowed their knee to Baal. There are many, nation, many South Africans 
black and white, colored and the likes, in South Africa, all over South Africa, who has not bowed their knee to the suggestion in the atmosphere that we have to be racist in our position. I am a Christian, and as a Christian, my job is not to be a social justice warrior. I'm here to preach the gospel. I'm here to make sure that you know Jesus. And even if you threaten me with death, to me, death is just a step over into eternity. We don't die, we just sleep. Does that make sense? Amen, let me pray for you. Father, you have not given us a spirit of fear as you said to Timothy, but you've given us a, sp a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. You say in Isaiah, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yes, I will help thee, yes, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Father, thank you that you say, fear not, you are with us. Thank you, Father, that you say, we should not be worried or concerned, you are with us. I declare that your children become aware of your presence in everyday life, even when we drive our cars, that you put a hedge of protection all around us. When we stay in our houses, having done all our part that we should do, you do the last part, you protect us. We are held safe and kept safe in your hands. And even in this nation, whatever comes, we shall still say that Jesus is Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.